Welcome to the Mentor Podcast, where the most highly motivated entrepreneurs come to get their weekly dose of financial stability with host Ron LeGrand, as well as other nationally recognized thought leaders who will teach you how to get, grow, and protect your wealth. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another issue of the Mentor Podcast. Ron LeGrand speaking here. Um, this podcast is dedicated to helping you make more money and uh, keep more of it and retire rich. And our guest today couldn't fall better into that line of thinking. His name is Tom Fellon, and he is the 1031 Exchange Expert, which is a subject we've been getting a lot of questions on lately. So I thought we'd call in the experts and let him answer them. And that's exactly what's going to happen today. Tom, how are you there? I'm here, Ron. Okay. Tell us who you are and what you do. Okay. Well, first, I want to thank you, Ron, for having me on as a guest. And I do believe what I have to say in a positive way can dramatically affect your real estate clients and people's goals. My name is Tom Phelan, and I've been active in real estate as an investor for over 30 years. I've been actively involved in the world of 1031 exchanging since the late 1990s and represented a major 1031 exchange intermediary that offered its services in all 50 states. I have been a state-certified instructor for realtors for 1031 exchanging in Arizona, California, Colorado, Florida, Minnesota, Wyoming. And during those 25 years, I've heard many inspirational stories about 1031 exchanging. And conversely, I've heard many horror stories because an investor did not take advantage of 1031 exchanging because he or she simply did not know how it works or were not given any advice by a realtor. And I will end it with this, Ron. Simply put, I feel the 1031 exchange is the most misunderstood, misrepresented, and underutilized real estate tax avoidance tool in America today. And I would okay? agree. Yeah. Yeah. Sound like my words. <laughs> exactly. In fact, what we're going to talk about today is literally how you can sell your real estate and never pay taxes on it for as long as you live, which can't hurt but help you grow your wealth. So, Tom, do you um, have anything you want to interject before I start quizzing you here? Well, it's just one kind of a tidbit. People often ask, what is a 1031 exchange? I like to say it's a loan made to you from Uncle Sam without any demand for repayment. It is interest-free and under the proper conditions as a taxpayer, you never have to pay back the loan. Well, so, Ron, like how that. many people would jump at that? <laughs> you know I'm going to steal that, right? Yeah. A loan, yeah. A loan from the IRS. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> All yep. right. Okay, so I guess we probably ought to start with the simple rules to make sure everybody knows what an exchange is because some people actually think so we've got to swap properties. So let's cover that and then the 45180 okay. thing, and then I'm going to get some questions in here. Okay. Well, in an exchange, first of all, it has to be an investment property. A lot of people think they lived in a house, they can do that. That's another mm -hmm. section of the IRS. However, you can convert a residence you live in into an investment property, and that is more in detail in a course or what have you. Well, give us a quick uh, down and dirty on that. Okay. Well, uh, you have to have moved out of your residence, rented it for fair market value for at least a year, 18 months, two years is better, and it will convert it into an exchangeable property. Now, someone may say, well, why would I do that? I have a half million dollar exemption. Right. My husband and I, we've lived in this house for 30 years. I've seen cases, they paid 500,000, their houses were two and a half million 30 years later. 
Right. They may actually want to move out, convert that to a rental, and then exchange it. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, it, it could huge tax impact. All right. Now the forty-five days is to identify property, and people confuse this. It's forty-five days beginning the day they close on the property they're selling. That's called the relinquished property. Mm-hmm. It's not while it's in escrow or it's getting appraised or what have mm-hmm. you. It's the day the hammer falls and the closing takes place. Mm-hmm. They have to set up the exchange prior to that so that the intermediary handles and and houses the money. And I just uh, heard okay, you now, say you are one of those? No, I'm not an intermediary. Not. No, okay, not all at right. all. I will give at the end a the Federation of Intermediaries. If someone wants to contact them and they can say what's in their state or who they recommend, and that's an organization of inter, uh, 1031 Exchange Intermediaries. Okay. So the point you just made is you better not even put this thing under contract until you've contracted, contacted an intermediary to tell you how to do it correctly. I would agree there. And the best news, Ron, is it's free. Every intermediary I know will talk to you at length about your particular situation and give you advice, hold your hand all along the way. Okay. All right. So I got 45 days after I close to do what? Identify uh, properties. It's a little tricky here. If you identify three or less properties, there are no other provisions that might come into effect. And you must close in a total of 180 days, one or two or three of those properties you have identified. Mm-hmm. Now, identified can get tricky. That means you've communicated it to the intermediary. It's not written down on a list. It's not because a realtor drove you by and you looked at the house. That's not identifying it. It means you have communicated that writing, email, fax, whatever, to the intermediary as an identified property. Even better have it under contract, huh? Well, I wouldn't I I would say yes, once you go to identify, yeah, I would not identify yeah. a property I didn't have under contract because it could right. fall out. Right. As you know, well, it could be sold, right. what happened. Uh, again, with right. intermediaries interjection. Okay. Yes. So uh, now I got hundred and eighty days after I sold the first house, not after I identify them to close on one or more of them. All right. Yes, you have hundred and eighty days total. And and worst case is if I don't do either one of those two, I just fall out of exchange and pay my taxes. Correct. That's it. Yeah, there's no penalty. Uh, you know, uh, you just simply face a tax bill, possible tax bill. Right. All right. So one of my questions is: uh, Is there any rule that says how long I should own it before I sell the exchange property? The first one. I know it's got to be well, investment property, no, which means it's no, going to work for no. flippers. Yes. Right. Yes. It, yeah. It must be an investment property. And uh, no, there's nothing codified or by statute, but by TAMS, tax advice memorandums or PLRs, private letter rulings, mm-hmm. it has been kind of established a year is minimum. Okay. So it's at least yeah. a year. Well, it's in, it's, in, it's in court decisions that have come down, tax court decisions, but All right. it's not in the code. And it, uh, if it's a house, it should have a tenant in it during that time to call it an investment property or not. No, 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 nope. nope. you don't need to have it rented, you, but you okay. must make a good faith effort, okay? Sure. So they, they could scrutinize that IRS if it yeah. was like wow. you had a cousin living there for free or whatever, that wouldn't fly. I don't know why anybody want to sit vacant for a year anyway, but um, we need to lay out Crazy the people do. Down here in Key yeah. West, they buy very expensive commercial properties, and they could care less. They sit on them for a year or two, see well, which way it's going to go. 
Yeah, same thing would be true for land. Yep, that's a good example. We better clarify. Uh, we got to stay within real estate. Can't get outside of real estate because they did away with that in 08, right? Real Correct. Estate, real estate. But, but real estate, like kind, is very, very generous. It yeah. could be a single family home for an apartment house to a lot, to a lease, to water rights. It's pretty encompassing, but it is real estate. That is correct. Correct. Can't exchange a house for a jet, huh? Nope. That's you can't bad. even exchange a jet anymore. That was one of the changes. <laughs> yeah, well, that. you probably, if you have one, you know. I, I did yep. that three you, times. <laughs> yeah, you can't. No, right, now so, you cannot. Okay, so got that one out of the way, at least a year. And now, here's the big question that, that I'm afraid I've been teaching incorrectly, so I want you to clear it up. Let's say I got a $300,000 house and I'm selling it, and um, now I get $75,000 in cash out of it. How much value can I exchange into? So I sold a $300,000 house. Um, is there a limit on how much I can buy or how many properties, uh, how much in value I can buy with that seventy-five grand? For not being taxed, no. But let me clarify that. If you have $75,000, am I assuming correctly you had a mortgage for the remaining two and a quarter? No. So, well, yeah, I sold the property, and I only got seventy-five in cash, regardless of oh, what underlying Okay, you have – but the value was three hundred. Yes. Okay, you have to exchange into three hundred. Okay, but is there – can I exchange into six hundred? Yes. Nine hundred. A million. A zillion. Yes. Okay, so you're telling me that And you can add cash – and you can add cash to it. So let's say you had the 75, but you needed a hundred and a half down. You mm-hmm. could go into something for 450 or 600,000 and add 75 to, to uh, meet okay. the uh, down okay. payment. You can always well, add. All right. Well, what scared me was I thought I read something where I can't exchange for more than double of what I've sold the property for. No. Remember anything like that? All right. All right yeah, that, but that, that, that's the 200% rule. What does that mean? <laughs> you, you, okay. <laughs> If you identify more than three properties, and I know it's obvious, but that means four or more, mm-hmm. and combined, they are worth 200% of what you're coming out of, mm-hmm. you must close on 95%. Right. Now, let me give okay. you your $300,000 example. What the hell did you just you say? Identify- <laughs> Pardon me? Okay, yeah, what did you just say? All right, let's yeah. use numbers. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I happen to have some. You here. have a three hundred thousand dollar house. Exchange. I sell it. I get seventy five in cash. Now I'm about but to tell you. But you identified four properties. No. Well, let's start from scratch. I sell the house. Okay. Now I identify three more houses that I'm going to buy or that I could buy, but they Correct. total nine hundred thousand dollars. Doesn't matter. Okay. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter as long as what? Where did the four come in? You do not exceed three properties that you identify. Oh, I got you. Okay. If you so, identify four or more, mm-hmm. the 200% rule and the 95% rule come into play. All right. So what is the rule if I identify four? Which is going to be very difficult to do anyway. By the way, what you don't know is that I'm going to take that 75 and go buy $900,000 worth of properties, but buy them with owner financing using a $25,000 down payment on each to make this example simple. And I think that's a great example, which you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. Do it, talk about leverage. Yeah. Well, that's, that's <laughs> but, why this 1031s get so exciting in my circles. Yeah. I literally can get three times the property, three times the cash flow, three times the value, 
three times the depreciation. Right. And here's the cool part now, Tom. I'll take those three $300,000 houses and I'll go lease option them and I'll get back, I don't know, at least more than I more than the 75 I put out to buy them in non-refundable option deposits. Do I need to say that again? No, but I see a possible where you just want to be careful. Sometimes the IRS court, tax court, has held by giving a, uh, a leasing a property with an option to purchase tantamount mm-hmm. to selling it. Uh, I can't. You say, and they might say that means you've sold it? Yes. I will argue now, that one to the death. <laughs> and I agree. And yeah. I agree with. I agree yeah. with you. I just think that we should have a little caveat there. But I agree with you. Uh, yeah. I, I I don't think uh, that is reality, and no. I think you'd have a very persuasive uh, yeah. rationalization. Especially when I can show a history that about ten percent of the uh, houses that I lease option actually close. Right. Right. Okay. So, so I, I, I'm not I, I, I would that. agree with you. I, okay. I agree with you. But that so, won't come into play if you do three or less. That's no right. problem. Really. So no. if I just stick with three, we don't even have this issue. Yep. Yeah. Right. But let me bring up a quick question. I've had people say, look, Ron, I'm selling a house. I have a friend. I'm going to exchange into his house. It's an arm's length deal. Mm-hmm. No problem. I'm only going to identify one. Why would I do less than that? He closes 45 days expire. He's identified the one and his friend gets killed in a car accident. Yeah. His friend gets a divorce mm-hmm. and it's over. If he yeah. doesn't have a second or third identification, correct. It's tax. It's tax time. So I always tell people yeah. I, I would look at two or three. It. Yeah. No, cost you nothing. All right. Um, so let me do my example one more time for our listeners. Sure. Guys, you better get this because this will change the way you think about your exit strategy with real estate. I got one house. I sell it for three hundred. I collect seventy-five in cash. I take that seventy-five and I go buy three more houses with owner financing putting 25 down on each, and let's just say they're worth 300 each to make this simple. So I've taken my 75 and I've turned it into $900,000 worth of property, probably three times the monthly cash flow I had with my one. Uh, plus, now I'm going to lease option those three out and get back at least as much cash as I put in uh, to buy those three. And there is the reason most people don't do 1031 exchanges. They don't want to tie up that $75,000 and not have use of it. Well, I not only will have use of it here, but I've tripled my assets, tripled my cash flow, tripled my value, tripled my depreciation, tripled my wealth. And just think about now what happens when those three properties sell, now they're going to turn into each three and turn into nine. Now, this is assuming that you can identify three and close on them during our close on them, uh, identify them during that 45 days. So, Tom, here's another question. Yep. I heard about I heard something that says that if I actually close on those three before my 45 days, I could actually buy more than three. What's the complications with that? You know something? I've never heard that, <laughs> but heard that. it would seem to me you have 45 days to make yeah. identification. So if you closed on more than three yeah. and it was day 35, you'd, no. to me, you'd yeah. still have 10 more days to identify more. All right. But so obviously you're going to have a hands full just doing three, but here's what I would, what I was thinking. What if I put those three under contract before I actually sell the subject property? Right. Now I don't have to worry about that 45 days. Well, you need to identify them. The IRS has to I said to know put them under contract. That's definitely identified. Yeah, but under, okay. right, but you have to identify them, but you're not worried about will Sam and Sally, you know, go through with the deal. You have them under contract. That's fine. 
Well, that's my it's point. It's got to be conveyed to the IRS. Right. But my point is, now I know I can get the three. If I get the three before, I actually sell the one. And then I can close on them after I sell the one. Right. Okay. So what if I do yep. four or five? Because you mentioned some complications if I do more than three. Okay. Changes. Let's say you do four or more. Yep. You now have the 200% rule and the 95% rule. You identify four. Yeah. If you do that, it triggers that the combined value of the, those identified, that I got four, yeah. exceeds by 200% what you're coming yeah. out of. Okay. Which it will, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You must then close on 95%. Okay. So I've got to close all four of them. Or yeah. Or what? Or you're going to pay tax. Well, if I don't close on all four of them, then I've only identified three, so I'm back to not having the problem. If you have not conveyed to the IRS within that 45 days, correct. I've seen people identify on the 45th day. That's yeah. getting scary. But I've seen that, okay? So if you have three tucked away and you get a fourth and you can't right. get it, okay, right. but, you can't cl but you can't close on them during that 45 days, meaning that it's a closed deal yep. and still have some out there hanging. Because the only way that works is you close on your property. Yeah. And right. well, look, now close this, on the other. This is getting too complicated for this conversation. So I'm going to say, yep. if you want to do that, do and if you even have yep. a clue what we just said, <laughs> then, yep. then, then get all your intermediary and have the discussion with it. All right. Yes, okay, so we'll, but, yeah, well, we'll, we'll have a follow-up because I think that's yeah. a very well, provocative Well, thought. wait till you see these numbers. It's going to hit you about 3 a.m. But here's the deal. Okay. In my world, we go out and buy properties on terms, and we buy them with nothing down all the time. Yeah. So now we're yep. going to have to actually throw money at people. So if I can if I can buy three with nothing down, you know who knows? Maybe I can buy six with that seventy five thousand dollars instead of three. That's the point. Yes. Okay. Yep. Especially if I identify them before I close on the first one. All right. Enough on that right now. Uh, the seventy five thousand dollars that I got out of my first house. Okay. Does okay. I got seventy five in cash. But does it matter how much of that is profit or not? Only for establishing the basis for you, the houses you, you replace, the houses that are replacement properties. That mm -hmm. basis will transfer. Okay. So, based on your profit. All right. Well, speaking of that, if I keep doing this with these houses until I die, I heard that my kids could actually get stepped up basis if they it's, inherit the house. Ron, it's one of the only things in the world you could beat Uncle Sam. You die, your kids inherit on a stepped-up basis. Well, we better make sure they don't get this podcast, eh? Right. <laughs> okay. That is right. Now, if you they know, inherited, yeah. and I think foolishly went out and liquidated them all the next day, there could be tax consequences. But it starts yeah. with the existing value of the properties when they inherit the properties. No it's kidding. beautiful. Yeah. It is it's beautiful. beautiful. All right. Yeah. All right. So now... Um, let's say I've, I've got three properties in my example, and I've collected 75 grand from those three on lease option deposits. Mm -hmm. All right. Is there any restrictions on what I can do with that money at all? No, there isn't, uh, until you, if they exercise the option, then it would come into play and they actually close the house and you no longer owned it. Well, you need to be looking at another exchange, but yeah. while you have that and they have not exercised the option. Yep. You can do whatever you want. You can't do other exchanges because you don't have a property to exchange out of. 
Well, but yeah, you could take it and buy three more properties. Well, I'll clarify what you just said. I can't if they cash me out. Of course, I can take that and do three more properties. Yes. Uh, now that deposit is, a, of course, if they move, now I get to keep the deposit, but I'll definitely have to call that income, won't I? Yeah, eventually. It's, well, it's going to go against your basis. I, that's it. That that is to me. It would have to be clarified. But yeah, yes, it's not going to be like a freebie. Uh, that's not going to go against your basis. I'm sure that that because that once they default on that, that that money no longer has anything to do with that property as far as I think. I think it would be. Yeah, I think it'd be income. At least yeah. it's long-term capital gain by that time. Yes. Yeah. All right. Okay. So okay. So I can use all my 75 cash, and I can do whatever the hell I want to do with that money I got out of them lease option deposits. All right. Yes. Okay. So talk to me. What are some of the biggest mistakes people make? Other than not doing exchanges, <laughs> what are some of the biggest mistakes they make? Well, it, this is so basic and rudimentary, but they don't uh, seek advice of right. should I do it or shouldn't I do it. I've heard many times, well, I couldn't have done one anyway. And I just ran into one here in Key West. He mm-hmm. sold the building for $2.6 million, And because he had partners, two of the four were bailing out, one to be cashed out. He says, I can't do an exchange. And he could. It's complicated, but he could to protect his share. So they don't seek advice prior to just throwing in the towel, let's say. Yeah. Another one, it's a classic, is I've had a property, I paid 500000 for it, good years, bad years, and I'm dumping this thing. Maybe it's in a, a, a city that had blight, whatever, and it's only worth 500 So why would I want to do an exchange on this commercial property or multi-unit mm-hmm. or whatever? Did you depreciate it? Uh, yeah. Well, you're going to recapture all that. 25% tax bite. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But people tend to forget about their partner in Washington, but they ain't forgetting about us, are they? You know, sir. That, you know, and I've seen realtors do that. I'll tell you uh, candidly, if I were in a yeah. jury, I'd probably find them guilty. Yeah. Because they did not tell their <laughs> their their investor to at least seek advice. Well, okay? you know what? But I couldn't agree with you more. One of the biggest mistakes people make and pretty much everything they do is not seeking good quality advice. A lot of times because yeah. you have to pay for it. Um, because you have to yeah. pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, trust yeah. me, uh, you should be looking for the most expensive <laughs> advice you cannot afford. I can tell right. you that many, many, many That's times over my life, uh, right up including to yesterday where I almost made a really stupid mistake that would cost me $400,000 and that my wow. CPA pointed out to me. Um, and of course, you know, I, I, I'm so smart. I was going to do it without asking him. Yeah. Now, now I've got him. I, 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 he's got a program where every month he's going to send me an email and he's going to ask me, okay, what are you planning to do this month? That's stupid <laughs> to, re- <laughs> to remind me. I better check with him. From time to that, time. That, that, is, that is so true. Well, I yeah. think a big mistake too, investors make an absolutely realtors. They don't look at a 1031. They look at it reactive. Oh, I have to do it. Have they ever looked at using it proactive? I go out to you, Ron, you own an eight unit and you've had it 25 years and you're grumbling about the taxes you're going to have to pay and maybe you just won't sell it. Okay, but I want your your property. And I explained to you the basics of 1031 exchange. Say, Ron, what if you went into a little single family home, you put your grandmother in, she rented it, fair market value, whatever, life's good. You get out of this thing, no more uh, managing a a multi-unit, yada, yada, yada. And, And the person says, okay, that that's a good idea. I didn't know that. Okay, well, let's talk to me about selling it, buying it. Yeah. And I've actually closed on deals like that because I came up with a solution. Yep. 
Yep. All right. So um, there's nothing wrong with me selling a house and exchanging it into apartments or exchanging it into retail or exchanging it into whatever I can exchange it into because it all falls within real estate. That's right. Another one, another one, people are having a child go to a four-year college. They're going to have to pay rent. And so they have a little single family in one city. They sell it, exchange it into a simple single family in the city where the kid's going to college. The mm-hmm. kid pays fair market rent, four years, maybe five now, <laughs> graduates, and moves on. Now the parents exchange and, and bring that money back and buy a single family, a multi-unit, back to the city they live in. There's, mm-hmm. I could go on and on. Yep. All right. So of, uh, what we've just described, not one out of 100,000 people in this country would ever know because they don't take the time to go learn. Think how many people are paying taxes on the sale of real estate across America day in and day out because they don't know this one simple thing. And you combine this with your Roth IRA and there's really no reason to pay taxes on on pretty much all the money you make in real estate and many other things uh, inside the Roth IRA. So um, very important lesson today, Tom. You did a great job explaining this stuff. Well, thank you. And uh, we will do a follow-up when I talk about your strategy. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we should do that. And uh, uh, you have something. What are you going to give away? You're going to give away a report? What are you going to give away? It's kind of a report or an outline in 1031 Exchanging. I think it it, it tells folks enough to know that they don't know and where to get help. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, what they can do is go ahead and... And get a touch of, I'm looking for their website right now. I got it. I apologize. I got it. Okay. TheMentorPodcast.com forward slash 1031. TheMentorPodcast.com forward slash 1031. And um, he'll give you a report with the steps on doing a 1031 exchange. And uh, is the contact information in there for the intermediaries as well, Tom? Yeah, what I'll do is have the email list for the Federation of Exchange Accommodators because I don't want to be, you know, uh, thought of as I favor someone or whatever. It yeah. tells you what to look for and why to look for them and who belongs to it and whatever. I think that's the fairest way. Yes, that contact information is yeah. in the book. The and probably, guys, you better do a little bit of homework on that because there has been intermediaries that's taken off with people's money. <laughs> Are gone broke. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be, that'd be a bad hair day for you. So make sure you're dealing with somebody that's reputable. All right. Bonded and insured and they can get it. Not all of them have it, but they can be bonded. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, sir. And um, you're welcome. Thank okay. you, everybody, for listening. This could be one of the most important podcasts you've ever listened to if you're going to do anything about selling real estate. It must, and if you think about it, it very well change your attitude because I've been preaching all my life. The longer you own a house, the more money you'll make. I may have to rethink that with this multiple exchange thing that we just discussed. Because anytime I can turn one property into three properties, I can't see how I'm going to do better than that. Uh, so still, same business. Got to learn how to buy them right. Got to learn how to buy them with owner financing. Got to learn how to put tenant buyers in there and get a lot of money from them. But now the only thing that's changed is, is our exit strategy. And by the way, same thing applies to commercial properties. For you guys that have those, geez, if you're selling an apartment complex or a strip center or whatever, Man, make sure you understand the 1031 exchanges. All you got to do is figure out how to get that money back that you're putting out, and assuming you even uh, need to get it back. So a lot of things to think about. And we just touched on it here, haven't we, Tom? There's a whole lot more to learn if one wants to get deeply into it. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you on the next Mentor Podcast. 
That's all for this edition of the Mentor Podcast. To connect with Ron and learn how you can attain financial freedom, as well as up-to-date strategies to grow and protect your wealth based on today's discussion, go to www.connectwiththementor.com.